And welcome back. As you guys can tell, that is not the normal music because this is not the normal Dumber Than a Sack. This is not the normal Psych Your Crime. This is actually going to be Dumber Than a Sack of Hair. And we are going to talk about uh, politicians who committed dumb crimes this week on Dumber Than a Sack Hair. This is my podcast that addresses uh, dumb crimes. So instead of going over the psychology behind um, infamous crimes, we're going to address some dumb crimes. It's going to be a little bit more lighthearted. But before we get into that, I'm going to share with you guys something that I have been working on. Um, I have been working with some people um, to deal with uh, the period poverty um, that is an issue that is addressing access to menstrual products for people who are um, in school students from grade 6 to 12, people who live in shelters, and people who are in jails. Now, many people are not aware that in jails, um, people, women, have to purchase tampons and pads. Uh, normally what happens is that the women who have the most uh, menstrual, uh, the most commissary, buy out all of the tampons and then they use them as currency while they're there. So that is a major concern. Uh, right now in the state that I live in, which is Massachusetts, there is a bill called the I Am Bill that is being um, presented. Well, it was supposed to be presented shortly, but the coronavirus has put that on hold for a little bit. And it's to get all menstrual products free in all schools, all shelters, and all jails. So um, just to bring a little awareness to the situation, um, as some of you may or may not know, I am a housing stabilization caseworker in a shelter. So this is hits home for me. I see it a lot with my clients. While we do get uh, donations to the shelter, Part of my job is once people get um, housing is to do an in-home stabilization. And uh, very frequently, people will not have any type of hygiene products. Um, they will not be able to afford them. They have to choose between paying that last $5 of gas to get to work or going to the dollar store and getting hygiene products. And that does include tampons and pads. And so there are times that part of my job, I do have to go to the YWCA or to the food pantry and try and scrounge up these things for them. Um, it's very real. I hear stories about people using socks, uh, people using uh, the go-to, which is toilet paper, um, when they just don't have the money to buy these kind of things. So... Um, this is something that goes on everywhere. Some of you may have seen on Facebook, social media. Scotland is the first country to make all menstrual products free across the board for everyone, irregardless of income. For me personally, hygiene, um, affordability is my personal, um, it's what I've taken up as my cause. I feel that hygiene should be a right for everyone. And it should not be something that's a privilege based on your income. We see it continually. Teachers have hygiene drawers. They are using their own money to ensure that they can give children hygiene products because their parents can't afford them. Um, and it should not be like that. I personally feel that all food pantries should have hygiene. 
pantries in them. Um, I think that all schools should have hygiene pantries. Um, once again, I think that hygiene is a, a right. It's not a privilege. And unfortunately, many people are not aware all hygiene products are for sale in jails. They are not given to the inmates. They are sold to them. So that includes toothbrushes, toothpaste, uh, shampoo, soap, and in some jails, even the toilet paper. So if you don't have anybody sending you commissary, you may not have these products. You have to get a job if you can to be able to purchase these things. Hygiene is the most profitable part of prisons. Selling those products is the most profitable thing that prisons have. So yes, being able to make hygiene affordable for everyone, that is a passion of mine. It's something that I genuinely believe in. And so I will get off of my soapbox and I will move on to the task at hand, the dumbness. We will start with one of our dumber politicians. So we're going to start with Mr. Ray Nagan. Ray Nagan, um, this is a scandal from New Orleans. It's known as the New Orleans Shakedown. Now, he became the public face of New Orleans after Hurricane Katrina. Everyone thought he was fabulous because he um, was supposedly getting the city back on its feet. He was getting everything together. However, when what was really happening was that all the money was rolling in, but he was not dispersing it. He ended up getting a 10-year federal prison sentence for corruption because he was pocketing, he pocketed almost $500,000 in aid that was meant to go to the city of New Orleans in disaster relief. So that... Uh, how he thought he was going to get away with it, I don't know. That's the stuff about scams like this that always get to me is that people steal from charities and then they think no one is ever going to notice and it's never going to get back to them. So he much, much deserved his 10 years. Uh, savings and loan crisis scandal in 1989, the Keating Five, and John McCain is one of these wonderful fellows. $1.3 million. Um, the 80s had lots of savings and loan crisis. They had a lot. Um, Charles Keating had Lincoln Savings and Loan in California. It collapsed. Um, thousands of investors lost everything. He got away with it for a very long time. This The collapse actually started in 1980. He got away with it because his five of his friends who were U.S. senators intervened with regulators on his behalf because they got campaign contributions for him from him. The Senate Ethics Committee issued formal retromands to Alan Cranston, Dennis DeConti, Donald Regal for acting improperly, John Glenn of Ohio and John McCain of Arizona they were all cleared, even though they did receive campaign contributions from him. But they were also criticized for their poor judgment for taking those campaign contributions and were included as part of the Keating Five. Um, and 
McCain was the one of the longest serving members of the Keating Five. Um, they were all senators and various members of the House of Representatives. So this kills me because at one point we did here in the United States, we did have regulation about being on the um, being on certain Senate committees that oversee things and taking campaign contributions from those people. So at one point we had regulations and laws that said, um, for example, you couldn't be on the Senate committee on an, um, the Senate committee for intel like intelligence, um, like the committee that was going to oversee um, military spending. If you had a company that um, made aircraft carriers, because then you could put through a contract for your own company. So likewise, you can't be on the Senate committee that oversees bank, anything having to do with banking and financing, if you are taking any type of money from anyone that works for a bank, is in banking, owns a bank, because obviously that's going to be a problem. So, and once again, thinking no one's going to notice, no one's going to find out. Bribery and corruption, uh, $2.4 million. A decorated Navy flying ace, nicknamed the Duke, Randall Cunningham, uh, once again, congressman in 1991. A member of the House Defense Appropriations Subcommittee, he was a Republican congressman who had a line on some of the most lucrative government contracts and he used it to his advantage. And the defense contractor purchased Cunningham's San Diego home for twice its market value and then allowed Cunningham to live in the house rent-free and on his yacht. There were other favors, cash payments and a Rolls Royce. Awesome. In 2005, Cunningham pled guilty to accepting $2.4 million in bribes for government contracts, making him the most crooked congressman in history. He served eight years in prison. Once again, how did he think no one was going to notice that he's an Arkansas Senate congressman and that he was living on a yacht. Like no one's going to just notice that he is driving a Rolls and he's living on a yacht. Like, yes, politicians make a couple hundred thousand dollars a year, but you would literally, even after you've been in Congress for a good 20 years, that's still not Rolls Royce and yacht money. Like once that yacht hits the yacht club, people are going to be like, Ooh, mm -mm, he's not old money, money. Nah, we better make some phone calls and find out how he got the yacht with that Arkansas hillbilly accent because yacht club people are not having that. That's probably how he got turned in. Racketeering and extortion, 1997, $3 million. Four-time governor of Louisiana, Louisiana again, once famously boasted that the only way he could lose an election was if he's caught in bed with a dead girl or a boy. Wow, what an asshole. 
he seemed equally invincible in the courts, beating 24 different corruption cases, Jesus, against him since the early days of his career in the 70s. But on the 25th case, his luck ran out. I, well, I hope so. In 1998, a federal grand jury indicted him for a scheme to extort millions of dollars in pay, taxpayer money for casino licenses. Edwards was convicted on 17 counts and spent eight years in prison, but he wasn't done with public life. In 2014, at 87, he tried to stage a comeback with his 35-year-old wife and their one-year-old son. Edwards announced he was running for Congress, but it was not meant to be. <laughs> you think maybe it was not meant to be since they were trying to put him in jail for 28 years before they finally caught him. And he was just like, eh, it ain't nothing. It was just eight years in prison. It's no big deal. Uh, the next one is Paul Powell. It was for the shoebox scandal. Uh, in 1965, he stole the equivalent of $4.8 million today. Uh, so Paul Powell from Illinois, so I knew Illinois would show up here eventually. Four governors since 1968 ended up in prison in Illinois. So, yep, <laughs> we knew they were coming. Perhaps the most brazenly corrupt Illinois public official was Secretary of State Paul Powell. Once quoted as saying there's only one thing worse than a defeated politician, and that's a broke one. Wow. For Powell, those were words to live by. Illinois residents applying for driver's licenses in the 60s would make their check payable not to the state, but to the Secretary of State. Wow. <laughs> Back in the 70s, in 1970, investigators found $800,000 in cash in his, not his house, guys, in his hotel room, in shoeboxes. Because he was just cashing them checks. They just came in, he took them to the bank, said, wrote it to cash, and they just handed it to him. A few months later, Illinois Senator... Adelaide Stevenson III famously quit. Paul Powell left behind some pretty big shoeboxes to fill. Y'all is wrong. While people in Illinois may have come to expect their elected officials may turn out to be crooks, voters and other parts of the country still have high expectations. That's just wow. I would be suspicious if they were like, oh no, just make your check out to the secretary of state. I'd be like, nope. I'm paying cash. Thank you. I want to make sure that my money stays in the building. Kwame Kilpatrick. Most of you probably remember this. This was actually in the 2000s. Detroit mayor, $4.5 million. He was considered a rising star. He was called the hip hop mayor. He took office as the 68th mayor of Detroit. And he basically started a criminal enterprise in City Hall. Um, so basically, he set up Detroit for bankruptcy. 
And they actually did an episode of American Greed about him. He took, he set up wild parties at his house. He used taxpayer money to buy his home. Um, they found thousands of dollars of unexplained deposits from the treasury to his personal bank account. And in 2013, a federal jury in Detroit convicted Kilpatrick on 24 counts in what prosecutors called an astonishing key scheme to establish a pay-for-play system, fleecing city contractors and taxpayers for personal gain. He is now serving a 28-year prison sentence, and his case is currently under appeal to the Supreme Court. So this one is a bit older. Warren G. Harding. This is 1921, the Teapot Dome scandal. $400,000 in 1921. Current value, $5.3 million. So Warren Harding never personally was implicated and most of the details came out after his death. But Teapot Dome forever sullied his reputation. Wildly considered the granddaddy of political scandals, the scheme was fairly tame by today's standards. The villain is really the Interior Secretary Albert Fall. He was a member of the Ohio gang. Harding brought with him to Washington. He was accused of accepting nearly $400,000 in bribe in exchange for oil leases in Wyoming. Fall became the first Cap, former cabinet member in history to be sent to prison for crimes committed while in office. Number three, everybody's favorite president. I am not a crook, Richard Nixon. You most definitely are a crook, tricky dick. Watergate. Now, people have varying estimates of what they think the damage that Watergate caused was but the estimates range between 2.8 million to 5.6 million. So reporters Woodward and Bernstein were investigating a burglary at the Democratic National Committee headquarters in Washington's Watergate complex. Confidential source known as Deep Throat told them to follow the money. Deep Throat turned out to be the FBI director, Mark Felt, and he never actually said follow the money. That was just... That was just a legend. Watergate, the only scandal, not, but Watergate, the only scandal to actually cause the U.S. president to resign. Um, the money, the monetary damages that are mentioned are lost campaign dollars, uh, funds that uh, went to what happened was he actually paid the Watergate burglars and campaign funds. And he heard in one of the infamous White House tapes what had happened. A lot of people aren't aware of this. So when they found out through all this investigation that he was, Richard Nixon was illegally taping people in the White House. So he was taping people in the White House. He was sending people from the FBI to illegally surveil people. And in one of those infamous tapes, he was he used funds from his campaign for all of this. And in one of those tapes, he barely flinched over the idea that he would have to raise another million dollars 
to pay people off to keep them to shut up about all the illegal stuff he was doing. Nixon said, and I quote, you can get it in cash. And he resigned um, in 1974, just days after the House Judiciary Committee approved the first three articles of impeachment. So to put that in context, if Trump, and I never, ever, ever, ever thought that there would be a moment in my life that I would say, if someone was as, as classy as Nixon, but if Trump had as much class as Nixon and as much self-awareness as Nixon, he would have resigned after the articles of impeachment were improved. He did not. He doesn't have as much self-awareness. He is not as classy. He also does not have as much respect for his party. That was a big part of why Nixon resigned. He wanted to protect his party. I'll leave it at that. Um, number two, Ulysses S. Grant, the whiskey ring, 1871, three million. Wow. Three million dollars in 1871, 63.7 million dollars today. Corruption was so rampant in the 18th U.S. president's administration that it became known as Grantism. That means there are plenty of scandals to choose from, but the most notorious one the one that came closest to the president involved a scheme to siphon millions of dollars in whiskey tax revenue from the treasury. The conspiracy was vast, involving revenue agents, distillers, and politicians. The president was not directly involved. In fact, he ordered the raids that eventually broke up the ring, but waited until after his 72 reelection to do so. And he tried to cover up the actions of his personal secretary. Orville Babak, who was one of the 350 people indicted in the scandal, but was eventually acquitted in part because the president vouched for him. While the presidency can offer seemingly unlimited opportunities to commit crimes, many names on our many names on this list have shown, but probably one of the best known. Have anybody ever watched The Dukes of Hazard? There's a character on that show called Boss Hog. Boss Hogg is actually fashioned after a politician by the name of William M. Boss Tweed. Boss Tweed is number one on this list. Boss Tweed was part of the Tammany Hall scandal. A lot of people have heard of that. The Tweed Ring was in 1869. At that time, it was worth Six million to two hundred million. The current worth would be a hundred and twenty-nine million to four point three billion. So William Meager Tweed was a massive crook, like the biggest crook ever. He was elected to Congress before he turned thirty, but the real money was a, was in his home in New York, where he would soon return to begin his climb to the top of the Democratic machine known as Tammany Hall. Boss Tweed became a wealthy man and one of the city's biggest landowners thanks to pretty simple scams, such as allowing overbilling by favored contractors, rampant patronage, and accepting plenty of well-placed bribes and kickbacks. But in one of the early triumphs of investigative reporting, a series of reports by New York Times beginning in 1871 helped bring down the Tweed ring. 
Tweed was eventually convicted on hundreds of criminal charges and New York City successfully sued him for $6 million. But the money believed to be a fraction of what he and his cronies actually stole was long, long gone. He eventually died in jail at age 55, secure in the knowledge he stole more than any public official before him or after him. No, that is a list of some of the most corrupt politicians that have ever been in office. But I'm going to add someone to this. This is our, my mayor, who literally just um, left office in my city. I live in a city called Fall River, Massachusetts. And this has always blown my mind. I cannot wrap my brain around how this happened. This is so bizarre to me. Um, it's difficult for me to comprehend. So I'm going to take you back to how this really started. Um, I live in a, it's, it's a suburban, urban kind of city. Um, the city is known, um, it's Fall River. It's the birthplace of Lizzie Borden. Um, it's where she had the incident with her parents. She was acquitted. She left, she came back and she started the very first animal rescue in the United States, still standing, the facts and animal rescue. Um, that's the other thing that we happen to be known for is our crime. It's unfortunate, but it is. We have one of the highest dangerous crime rates in the state due to the fact that we have an opioid epidemic. It has hit us pretty hard because we're very close to the ocean. And so we have docks and things that are close to us. So we have um, a population that is very working class. And what happened is we had a mayor who decided that we had to start paying for trash collection. He did this with what he called pay as you throw. We had to pay $10 for a bag of, uh, for a box of trash bags. They came in like a roll and those colored trash bags that were purple would show that you paid for trash collection. And People were incensed and they were not having it. Now I've lived several places in this country, different cities, and I've paid for trash before. To me, it's just something that you do. Um, it's your responsibility as a citizen. If they can't afford to foot the bill, you chip in, you pay for it in your taxes, you pay, you do something. It was not a big deal to me, but the citizens in this city were not having it. And they decided to recall the mayor over it and they succeeded. Now, the deputy mayor, I thought he was fine. I had no problem with him. He started filling the potholes, which our city is full of potholes. I've almost broken an axle on my car with them. So I thought, great, this guy's going to be the new mayor. He's going to get some things done. Great. No. Out of nowhere, this young kid, he's like 25. He was on the city council, came in and ran for mayor against him. And somehow he won. Now, I'm thinking when he ran, this is not going to happen. Like, I'm pretty sure I got a bra older than this kid. That's not, no. I, I One, I do probably need to get new bras, but two, I can't have a mayor that I've got clothing older than. But he won. And things seemed like, man, just another politician, ain't doing nothing. Nothing. And then we started hearing stories about disagreements and fights between the city council and this kid. He's asking for stuff. He's trying to do stuff without permission. He's, he's skirting the process. 
and it's starting to get shady. Things are getting a little shaky. And so we're like, hmm, but re-election time comes, he gets re-elected. And then all of a sudden, we start hearing some rumors because the kid had an app. We start hearing some rumors that his investors in the app are not happy, that there are some problems. And then there is a big disagreement with the city council because he wanted to take $30,000 to brand the city. It's Fall River, the home of Lizzie Borden. That's it. That's all we got. Lizzie Borden. There's nothing else to brand. I'm sorry, but that's it. That's it. Like there, there's no branding to be done. You can't create an app for us. We, we don't have any type of, of trails or mountains or there, there's not a lot of tourism except Lizzie Borden and maybe Quickishan River, you know, the lake, you know, there's, there's like a nice lake here to see, but this isn't like a camping place. There's, there's not trail spots. It's not like that in this city. There isn't anything like that. There's a very small children's museum and that's what it is. So it seemed very suspicious and they were like, no, you can't have it. The next thing we know, the FBI comes and they arrest him for, um, and they arrest him for investor fraud um, and for his app. And they arrest him for stealing from his investors in his app. The amount, $30,000, exactly what he tried to take from the city council for branding. So this nice young man has, has uh, defrauded his investors. So now we have a recall. It took several, several, several months before finally they broke down and are like, okay, let's recall him. So they recalled him. And I remember going to the little go into the uh boat now, of course i'm gonna recall his dishonest butt you know this is the guy who said he was gonna get rid of the pay to throw away your garbage he didn't do that um uh, all he did was say i'm gonna open an opioid triage center well we already have two what do we actually need we need a lot of stuff but what we need are either more homeless shelters or we need more transitional housing for the homeless and people recently leaving rehabs never addresses anything about that. Um, so I'm like, yeah, let's get rid of this kid and get someone, anyone who knows what the city needs and it's going to help the city. I go to vote and I vote to recall him. And then down on the ballot, there's another vote. And his name is there again. And I'm like, what? And then I read it very carefully and I realize it is an additional vote, but it is for the new mayor. They slid the re the election for mayor onto the same ballot as the recall and did not advertise it. So there's a woman that really nobody knew, the current mayor. And I'm like, dear God, please let people really read this ballot. Don't let people be fooled. And then everything comes in that night and I vomited in the back of my throat because they fell for it. 
they thought they were voting twice to recall him. He got recalled and then he got reelected to replace himself. I could not believe it. And then they're, they're interviewing people and people are all saying the same thing. They're saying they didn't read the ballot. They thought they were re-voting to recall him. It is the shadiest thing I have possibly seen in a long time. I just could not believe it. And so we have this crooked ass guy who's under indictment by the FBI waiting like he's out on bail. He just got reelected to be mayor. I was dumbfounded. So then like two months later, we have the primary for mayor. He's about to be up for mayor again. And I'm like, dear God, no. What happens? Three people run. He gets the second most votes. He's going to be running for mayor. And I'm like, how does this keep happening? How is this dishonest? How is this douche monster keep being up for mayor? How is this happening? And when he was recalled, I will put the pictures. I have them on my Instagram. He's standing outside my apartment building, directing people to vote, trying to hang on to his job. And I'm like, I just got home and the mayor is standing in the street outside my house, directing people because my apartment building is a polling place, directing people into my polling place. And I'm just like, last person I wanna see. So now he's still mayor. And literally he, it was like a month and a half, FBI comes back and they arrest him again. Except this time they arrest him for bribery. Massachusetts has legalized recreational marijuana. My city got a recreational dis dispensary. Many people have put in applications to get licenses to put up recreational dispensaries, but only one had been approved. Comes out, the mayor was taking bribes. He was trying to get people to pay him $600,000 on top of the extraordinarily expensive license fees that go, that's why many people could not get dispensaries approved because they couldn't afford the licensing fees. He was trying to get people to pay him $600,000 on top of the licensing fees. And that's why people couldn't get their dispensaries approved they couldn't afford the almost a million plus dollars between the bribe and the licensing fees. And listed in the inventory of stuff that he bought with the bribes <coughs> was a, excuse me, a $500,000 Batman Rolex. Good to know where our money is going to $500,000 Batman Rolexes. So they arrest him again. Now the city council is just done. They're like, I'm sorry if the taxpayers can't deal with this. I'm done. I'm over it. And the city council puts their foot down and they try to lock him out of his office, strip him of his powers, lock him. Like They're like, we're going to do an end round. We don't care. They try to lock him out of the city's accounts. They do, they're trying to protect the city. And his lawyers are like, you can't do that. 
you you just cannot lock him out. They're like, we don't care how mad you are, you can't. And now suddenly the people are like, okay, he's a crook. We're upset, he's gotta go. And finally he comes to his senses and like after like three or four months of this power struggle with the city council, he goes, I'm gonna resign so I can focus on my campaigning. I'm like, wait, I'm sorry. You've been indicted for a second time. You were taking bribes. We know what some of the things you bought with these bribes that you cannot afford on what our tiny town, our broke town pays you. And you have the nerve to say that you're resigning for the next three months so that you can focus on your campaign so you can try and be reelected again for mayor? Nah. So he steps down just long enough for us to have our actual campaign. We have our election. And thank God he loses. Our new mayor, he seems to be not shysty so far. He seems like he's not going to rob us so far. Because um, I don't know if we can deal with any more shady crooks. Like, we really just need him to, like, be a stand-up dude and handle the business at hand. But that's why I wanted to do these crooked politicians they are prevalent in southeastern Massachusetts. I live right by Rhode Island, and Rhode Island is so crooked. There's actually a podcast that is dedicated to the history of crookedness in politics in Rhode Island. They're so crooked, they went bankrupt. Um, look at what happened with um, the baseball player who started a um, video game company. He took it there because of all of the tax breaks they gave him but they didn't actually vet the company enough to find out whether it was a viable business. So they gave him all these tax breaks. And then when the business wasn't viable, it actually did more damage to the state than good because it didn't really bring viable jobs. So this is a problem we have in this part of new England. Um, we just have a history of having shady politicians. I don't know why, but we do. Um, so that's, how dumber than a sack of hair goes. We go over dumb crimes. In the future, I want to look at things like the great feather heist. Um, I do at one point want to look at Theranos. I feel like Theranos is a case of dumb, dumber, and dumbest. I really am fascinated by Ponzi schemes. I feel like Ponzi schemes are one of those situations where on the outside, you know that it's never, ever going to be viable. You are always going to be caught. But somehow, people keep finding a new way to package Ponzi schemes, and people don't realize they're getting involved in them. A wonderful example of that, I think everybody has seen the Wolf of Wall Street. Well, the Wolf of Wall Street was financed by a Ponzi scheme that almost bankrupted the country of Malaysia. And to just kind of put a point on that and show you how ridiculous people like Jordan Belfort, greedy, greedy people driven by money are, he did not care that the company 
was a Ponzi scheme that it almost bankrupted a country. He just sued the production company for his money. He, he does not care that he can't get it, that getting it could bankrupt an entire nation. He wants his money. So yeah, I read that puked in the back. I didn't even puke in the back of my throat. It just came all the way up. I was like, awesome. You just proved to the world how very disgusting you are. Thank you for proving what we already knew. But um, if you would like to send me any ideas um, on what you would like to see, um, Dumber Than a Sack of Hair is going to be on my patron page. I wanted to give you guys kind of a little sneak peek. It's a little bit more casual um, than my uh, normal psych your crime. Uh, so if you want to give me any ideas, you can, um, it's Geek Flossie on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, if you have any ideas for things that you would like me to analyze for psych your crime, please reach out to me on uh, Twitter and Instagram. I love to hear your feedback. Um, I'm always looking for international crimes uh, for psych your crime. I never get enough of those. Um, I've had quite a... Uh, I've had quite a bit of trouble. I'm looking for crimes that take place in um, New Zealand. I've had a spike in listeners from New Zealand. If you are a listener from overseas and you have a crime from your country, please, by all means, reach out to me. Let me know about it. I would love to look into it. Um, I do not get enough crimes from other countries outside the U.S., um, Britain, so I'm always open to finding and looking at those crimes. Um, in the future, we are going to be looking into a member of the FBI's Most Wanted. We are also going to be um, looking into, like I said, a couple of Ponzi schemes. We are going to be looking into um, a couple of crimes. We're going to be looking at a crime that happened in a prison. And... Um, we're just going to be trying to keep things um, more original and varying uh, more towards different things. And we are going to go back and revisit the counterculture series that I started last year. We're going to add three more episodes to that. So I'm going to try and keep revisiting that because the counterculture um, was very big. There was a lot of things going on. I definitely will do the Black Panthers. And I want to do the Black Panthers because I think a lot of people are not aware that um, during the counterculture movement, the Black Panthers were really driven from the country in the United States. And many of them fled to places like Cuba, Algeria. And as part of that, many of them did hijack planes in order to get to Cuba. So um, the treatment of the Black Panthers, how they fled the country, um, will definitely be the topic of one. I absolutely do also want to do Ira the Einhorn, uh, Ira the Unicorn Einhorn. He was the founder of Earth Day. Um, he went on to be, people found out he was a very heinous person um, and ended up going on the run. So those are two, I'm going to do a third person, but those are two of the three people from 60s counterculture that um, I'm going to put, uh, we're going to look into them in April for you guys for Psych Your Crime um, to continue that counterculture series that I started. And so, like I said, please reach out to me if you have anything that you want me to look into. Um, 
as always, I just love that you guys support me and that you are reaching out. And if you guys live anywhere where you are able to go out, one thing that you can do, check your shelters, call them, find out if they're running low on supplies, um, especially things like bleach and Lysol. Um, just the, if you can get a hold of Lysol, um, it doesn't have, if, even if it's just concentrated Lysol, even if you can just check first, call them, uh, find out, uh, most of them will not let you in, but they will let you drop off sealed, uh, boxes of supplies or sealed containers of stuff at the door. And then they will retrieve it as long as you call first and let them know. But if you have the means to do so, call your local shelters, ask them what they're running low on. If they need anything, many of them might say no, because they don't want to run the risk of letting people near them. If they say yes and ask, if you can get some place or there is a place where you can get supplies, please, by all means do, because not all shelters are like mine and they have the luxury of having an emergency line in their budget to get these items. So if you have the means and you can check on your local shelters, call them, ask them if they need anything. And if they do, if you can arrange to just drop them at the door, you don't have to come in. You just want to drop them off for them. It's really important. Um, these people have nothing and they're trapped inside these places. Um, a lot of these places are not letting delivery men come and go. Um, so it's very important that you check on this population and you help them out if at all possible. Um, a lot of places where there's elderly people, they're not allowing anyone to come and go from the buildings. So, um, you know, even just if you have loved ones that are elderly, that live in elderly communities, just give them a FaceTime, a phone call, say hi. Um, a lot of those normal kind of activities that they have have been suspended because there are no more um, agencies allowed to come uh, to and from those places. Um, only care providers are allowed to come. I'm not even allowed to go to my outside clients that I normally do um, in-home case management to. Everything has to be over the phone. Um, a lot of places that things are at a standstill. People who live in subsidized housing, um, things have ground to a halt. They are not processing housing applications. They're not doing anything. So a lot of people are in complete and total limbo. Um, but even if just so much as, you know, saying a hi to a person who's in a lockdown community, especially if they have limited family is everything. So like I said, if you have elderly loved ones who are in assisted living or they're in a facility where they've limited contact, reach out. It is so important because the amount of contact they're having is totally limited. So it's very important. So just guys, stay safe. Remember, don't panic. I work with a high risk um, community, but um, I'm fine. I just lots of hand sanitizer, um, wipe behind myself with Clorox wipes. I'm, I'm not freaking out. I'm just, you know, being more focused on making sure that my clients are safe and they have the things that they need. 
So just remember to keep yourself safe, check on the people you love, make sure people have what they need if you have the ability to do that. And, you know, wash your hands, uh, cough into your arm, and just keep things clean. That's, that's just the basic thing. And take care of yourself. Get enough sleep. Eat enough. You know, basic hygiene. That's the stuff that's going to keep you safe. It's going to keep your family safe, and it's going to keep you going. So I hope that you like this podcast. I'm going to try and do some more of these for you. Um, I hope to hear from you guys, see you guys again. And, and I hope that you can find more people out there who are doing things that make them dumber than a sack of hair.